This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. No matter what your previous experience has been, if you have attended any church of any denomination anywhere in the world, you will know that there is something in the water. Something in this water. Maybe not something in it in particular, but something about this water that God uses as a sign and symbol to teach us something about our faith, to remind us who we are and whose we are. Over the past few weeks, we have been in the midst of a sermon series called Something in the Water, where each week we've talked about a different part of our baptismal liturgy. Every time we baptize someone, we talk about the fact that we are initiated into Christ's holy church, that we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, and that we are given new birth through water and the Spirit. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you may remember that our district superintendent, Ray Broadwell, talked about what does it mean for us to be initiated into Christ's holy church. There is something about this act that happens when we are baptized, similar to what happened in the scripture this morning of Mark, where we see the heavens open up and God's voice coming out through the heavens, declaring that Jesus is his son. He is well pleased with him and he loves him. In each of our baptisms, it's as if the heavens open up and God says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am well pleased with you. We are initiated into Christ's holy church. And then last week, I talked about what it means to be incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. You may remember I used a cooking analogy and about how we incorporate all of the ingredients to create something special. And at the end, after it's created, there's no separating that from that cookie or whatever it is that you're creating We are incorporated into a story that began long before our first breath and will continue long after our last. And that story includes God's creating of the world and bringing order out of chaos. It includes those mighty acts that God did by leading his people through the river to freedom. It includes this baptism of Jesus, and in addition to that, the story of Jesus' saving work on the cross. Each of us, through baptism, are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. This morning, I want to talk about what it means for us to experience new birth through water and the Spirit, knowing that all of these things are offered to us without price. There's nothing that we can do to earn or deserve God's grace and mercy and love, and yet it is offered to us. It's one of the most powerful things we do when we baptize an infant because they can't fully know or understand or even realize what it might mean to earn God's love for them, and yet it is offered to them freely as a gift. I want to read to you this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 6, verse 2. So then, from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we, we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. And so we beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. Since we work together with him, we are also begging you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says, I listened to you at the right time, and I helped you on the day of salvation. Look, now is the right time. Look, now is the day of salvation. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here so that we might hear your word in a new way. Speak through me and in spite of me, uh, that we might walk away with a greater understanding of what does it mean to be a part of new birth through the waters of baptism. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll never forget my first day of seventh grade. It had been a really long summer, spent mostly with my younger sister, and I was ready to be back in school full-time. She was in elementary school, so we didn't even have to cross paths. That first day I was in class, I had my first two periods, and my third one came around. It was my favorite class, math. You won't hear many preachers say that their favorite class was math, but mine, I love math. So I I bounced into the classroom, and I got ready to take my normal seat in one of the front rows, and there were no seats left. I was that kid. I was a little bit dorky. I wanted to be in the front. I knew a lot of the answers. I wanted them to call on me first. And so I was disappointed that there were no seats left for me in the front. I made my way about halfway back and sat down, and as the teacher began to instruct us, she started writing some formulas on the board. I noticed at first that I couldn't quite see from where I was sitting. I had to lean forward and squint my eyes, but I couldn't see anything on the board. It was all blurry to me. I could see that she was writing a combination of letters and numbers, but they weren't clear. I thought it was just a fluke. Maybe I would get a closer seat the next day, and it wouldn't be a big deal. The next day, I came in, and once again, those other five people who were there just a few minutes before me were taking up the front rows, and I sat back again on the second or third row. Again, I struggled to see. Everything was blurry. And so that evening when I got home and I started talking to my parents, they decided they needed to take me to go see the eye doctor. It was there that began my 23-year journey with glasses and contact lenses. It was amazing to me what a difference being able to put a corrective lens over your eye could make. Does anybody in here wear glasses, contacts? Yes. But over those 23 years, there wasn't a morning that I woke up that I didn't feel like the world was blurry until I put on my lenses, put in my contacts or put on my glasses. Thank goodness there were no emergencies that would require me to get out of the house quickly because I was severely nearsighted and I had a bad astigmatism, which kind of made things look a little slanted. If you have that, you know what I'm talking about. For me, the world looked blurry when I didn't have on those lenses. And about a year ago, I was given the opportunity to have LASIK surgery, a permanent correction to my nearsightedness. 
there was a physician in my church who had invited me to be a part of this procedure. He had done hundreds of these, and so he was excellent at guiding me through what happened during the surgery. At one point, uh, which would have been very scary if he had not told me ahead of time, the entire room went black. I couldn't see anything, and in that moment, I wondered, what had I done? Blurry was better than nothing, right? But then he said, okay, in just a moment, you're going to see something. It's going to look as if you're swimming underwater for just a moment, and then the world will appear more clearly to you. And so sure enough, that darkness faded into what looked like underwater, and then I began to see the world more clearly. It only took a couple of days before my sight was better than 2020. And since that day, I have woken up, and it's amazing to me to be able to get up in the middle of the night and see yourself in the mirror, in the bathroom. You know, it's, it's amazing that I can see the world so much more clearly now. When I think about what it means to experience new birth through baptism, I think about what it means for us to see the world with nearsightedness. Take a look at this image. When we're born, the world is blurry to us. That means that when we're born, we are naturally bent towards sinfulness. The world doesn't quite look like God intended for it to look. This is a little bit hard to look at, isn't it? <laughs> Makes me want to put on my glasses. But for us, I've noticed that even children, we don't teach them to be defiant, and yet they are. We don't teach them to say no as a, as a comeback to us, and yet that's one of the first things that they learn, right? We don't teach them to be selfish, and yet every one of my nieces and nephew have said mine about things. That's my toy. That's my thing. There is something in us that is born that is sinful, and we see the world through the lens of the world, until we come to know Jesus. It's only through that experience that we have with Jesus that we're able to see the world more clearly. When our eyes are blurry, when our vision is not clear, we see people for the color of their skin or for their social status. We see people as ones who belong to the other political party, whether that be Democrat or Republic, Republican. We see people out and about who are holding a sign that says, homeless, I need food, and we pass judgment on them. Or we see a single teen mom or someone who's divorced, and we make judgment on what led them to be in that situation. We don't see the world the way that God sees the world. We don't see those people as children of God. It isn't until we experience new birth through Jesus Christ that we are able to see things more clearly. Take a look at this next image. Through new birth, things come into focus for us. We begin to see God at work in amazing ways in the people and places around us. We glimpse images of God's kingdom at work in the world. Before our new life in Christ, we pass judgment on people. And after our new life in Christ, we see God's love and grace for them. We see them as God sees them, as beloved children of God. As Paul says, after we come to know Jesus, we won't recognize people 
by human standards. Because if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. As a forgiven and reconciled people, it is our job to love people as God loves them and to live lives that make them want to run towards Jesus for love and forgiveness. As Paul says in this scripture, we are ambassadors for Jesus. We are called to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. This means that we no longer see people as the world sees them. We offer them our love and we offer them God's grace and call them into a relationship with Jesus. We don't look at someone and see them for the color of their skin or for their social status. We don't look at someone and pass judgment on them because they happen to disagree with us politically. We don't look at someone who has had a round of bad luck and make judgment on them and their lives. Paul says that Christ has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. And that is a message that is to be shared with the world. As we share about it, we believe that God will work through the waters of baptism to help us experience new birth in our lives and those in the, the lives of those who will come to know Jesus. As I think about new birth, I think about my granddaddy, Dean. I have a photograph I'd like to share with you of him and I. This photograph was taken about uh, 15 years ago. My granddaddy had been a person that I looked up to my entire life. He grew up in the Great Depression. Um, he had to quit school at seventh grade so he could go to work to support his family. He served in World War II, and after that, he came back to meet my grandmother, and they raised two boys together. My grandfather always appeared to me to be a good man, a good man who loved his family and loved the Lord, but I didn't notice that he was in church every Sunday. I didn't notice that he prayed before meals or any of that. I just assumed that he had a relationship with Jesus. I was in college whenever I got curious about my family's heritage and their stories of faith. I came to ask my dad and my mom and my grandmother about how they had come to know Jesus because I knew that I'd been raised in the faith. Well, the time came for me to find out about my grandfather, and my dad said that he had not been baptized before. He'd been in and out of church his whole life, but not been baptized, and so I felt very strong conviction to write a letter to my grandfather, who lived about an hour and a half away. I mailed it off, and shortly after he received it, he gave me a call, and he said, Amanda, I want you to come to my house. I want to tell you about my faith. We sat down together in the dining room kitchen area that happened to have a couch and a chair in it, and he said, you know, I started, I realized that you know, I had not shared with you about how I came to know Jesus. He said, I grew up in a, in a household where it was more common for my sisters and my mom to go to church on Sunday morning because my brothers and I were doing chores on the farm. And it wasn't until I was with your grandmother that we started going to church some. He said, I love our church, and as I've gotten to be older and our kids have grown, I've started going more regularly he said, but it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I actually gave my life to Christ. He said, I was sitting in this room right here in this chair. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I had the radio on, and the gospel music channel was on. And I listened to this preacher talk about what does it mean to give your life to Jesus. And in that moment, I sat down in this chair. 
I prayed, and I accepted Christ into my life. He said, I felt an immediate change in how I interacted with other people. It was like I had a new life. I could see the world more clearly. But I never thought about getting baptized until you wrote me that letter. He said, I know that baptism is what God wants for me, and so I want to do it, and I want all of you all to be there. And so at 73 years old, uh, I was able uh, to witness my grandfather being baptized at his small little Methodist church in Nicholsville, Virginia. He was baptized with the water sprinkled on his head as he kneeled at the altar rail with my grandmother and my dad and my uncle and all of our family there with him. At the end of that service, we sang, I sang the song Blessed Assurance as special music, and you'll see that we're going to sing it in a moment as a response to the message but from, the day, from that day on until the day that he passed away, he talked about that song and how it blessed his life. How his commitment to baptism had been something that had given him new birth uh, through Jesus Christ. That that moment had been something so significant for him that it didn't matter that he was 73 when it happened. Just that it happened and that God was present in that moment. Well, today, as we conclude our baptism series, we will be baptizing six people by immersion at the end of the 11 a.m. service. These people will experience new, new birth through water and the Spirit for the very first time. And hundreds of others, including many of you, will dip their hands into the baptismal waters. We'll take one of these blue stones out of the water to remember the new birth that is offered to you through Jesus Christ. My prayer for each of us as we walk away this morning is that we will be able to experience the world with clear vision, that things will come more into focus for us day by day by day, until the day that we are made perfect in love and we can have that per per permanent correction to our blurred vision that occurs sometimes. By water and the Spirit, we can see more clearly through a new lens through the lens of Jesus Christ, eyes that love others just as they are, eyes that invite others into a relationship of grace and mercy and love. I don't know your life story, and I don't know how much you might have messed up in life. I know that I mess up often, and I'm so grateful that Jesus is Christ, as grace and mercy is new to me each day. My granddaddy felt a sense of urgency that day to be baptized, and I pray that we all feel that same sense of urgency to renew our relationship with Jesus this morning. As Paul says at the end of this text, today, now is the right time. Look, now is the day of salvation. Amen.